everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Tellage Talks. And my question to you is this. What would possess an individual who had never really even been able to swim one lap in a pool, why would this person be convinced in their mind that they should start to train for and compete in an Ironman triathlon? You know, an Ironman, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then the run is a marathon, 26.2 miles. Why would anyone think that they would be able to complete such an arduous task. Well, Desiree Cowie did just that, but Desiree did not even stop at the Ironman stuff. She went on from Ironman triathlons to ultramarathoning. In fact, from ultramarathoning, she even moves into the stage races kind of competitions that you see around the world. The adventure races, six days in a very difficult spot or terrain in the world and running ungodly amounts of kilometers to complete such a task. But Des has done all of those things. Ironman competitions, running 100-mile ultramarathons, which she first did about 9, 10 years ago here in Northeast Ohio, and then now doing these stage races. She's a very fascinating individual, a very motivated person, and a lot of fun to be around. And so we had a nice little chat about that, after we ran a short distance, at least a short distance for her, <laughs> uh, at North Chagrin Reservation here in Northeast Ohio. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Desiree Cowie, from one lap in the pool, to Ironman, to ultramarathoning, to stage races around the world. She's motivating as all get out, and I hope you enjoy it. Des, I'm really curious how you got into endurance sports. What were, what, were, what were some of the things that pushed you into this type of a life, as it were? It is a life, that's for sure. <laughs> and you know what? One of my coaches said to me one day is that um, when I asked him, can I do the Ironman? And he said, yes, but you have to realize it's a lifestyle. It's not about training for an Ironman. Okay. And I laughed at him because I had no clue what he was talking about. But as you know, you know, it, it is a lifestyle. Everything just gears around working towards this big event that you do mm -hmm. and once you've done one you want to do another yeah then, right and then it's like what I say 15 years later so that's when you first got into it 15 years well, ago well not so much endurance um i started off i've always been sort of very sporty went and did my hours gym played sport with the kids um and i was a little bit bored and this women's group came to me and said why don't you join us we're going to run the new york marathon and um, I said, oh, yeah, of course, you know, thinking that this was never going to happen. <laughs> and then about three months later, they phoned me and said, okay, we need your money. And I said, what? They said, yes, yeah, well, we're going. You were hoping the they forgot about you. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they said, okay, Cam, we need your money. Choose your charity. Um, sign up. We're going, but I need the money for the hotel deposit. So I trained for the marathon with them. We came, had a terrible race in New York. And I was so embarrassed, actually, because I oh, had... Did you stop? No, you... no, I didn't stop. <laughs> That's one thing. I'd, I've never kind of quit. I've always been pulled from a race, but never really given mm -hmm. up. But um, no, I I was completely overtrained. I had no clue what I was doing. Arrived at the start line thinking this was going to be a piece of cake. You know, four hours 
and I was going to be done and finished and I was with a quite a mixed group of people um, one of the ladies that was running had um, an autoimmune disorder okay. so she was she had trained to walk the whole race she was going to be finished in five and a half hours the other lady who was there had done no training okay so you know I, well, I was so sure of myself I thought I'm gonna be at least an hour and a half ahead of all of them I got to um, one of the bridges I can't I can't even remember which one um, and I had a phone call from Glenn and he said uh, you know how's the race going and I just burst into tears because I it was halfway I had nothing left in the tank this had never happened to me before and I, I just I remember saying to him it's so hard <laughs> you know, I'm not and gonna you're talking finish. your phone on your phone to your husband who's in England probably in England at, yeah. at the time <laughs> and um, I just remember him saying come on you can do this you know you've run you've trained and everything and I had trained I really had trained hard but I didn't know about um, at that stage gels was like the big thing I had no gels on me I had no you know I would ran through all the aid stations I didn't even stop to eat anything maybe have a swig of water so I was completely out of my depth yeah. um, and also with my training if somebody was going for a run I was out there running with them you know if um, they were doing 10 miles 15 miles three miles I did it all because I was I thought that was what you did you sure. know you, you ran and ran and ran and ran and that's how you train for a marathon so it was a disaster <laughs> and I, I was so embarrassed that I finished at the same time as these, this other lady who hadn't trained and okay. I I was like as I said it was like such a blow to my ego so I got home and I thought no I know I can do better and I was only going to do one marathon ever and then um, this uh, person that I went to to ask for help get, introduced me to his coach Brian who was a triathlon coach as well as um, a marathon coach and, and everything and he that's how I got into it he helped me achieve my marathon goals but I got really injured every time I tried to do speed work. And I just thought, well, this is as good as it's going to get. What's next? Yeah. And um, again, it was a bit of a dare. Someone said, what about Ironman? <laughs> and this brand new triathlon club had just opened. Really nice group of people. There were about eight of us. And we all were being coached by Brian. And we all did our first Ironman in Switzerland together. And then, um, so that was how I got into doing endurance. Okay. Um, it was it kind of all just fell into place I think you know it was um, did one challenge you were you know succeeded at that never went back to do anything again it was always so now what I do you know okay. that was over um, the thing for me was my kids were at school six days a week um, so once I got them to school done whatever chores they were to do Glenn was traveling a lot your husband Glenn. yeah mm -hmm. um, I was looking for something to do the rest of the day all my career had always been in sales so there was no ways that I could travel you know there would be nobody there was no granny down the road to look after the children okay, yeah. um, and I didn't want to do that to them we were in a foreign country so um, instead of having a career I started doing sport um, and as I said one thing led to another you know I ticked this box what's new and exciting yeah. where's everybody else going what's the new trend and I had the time, so it was easier for me, I guess, and somebody who was working full-time. Well, you get into, I mean, you don't just jump into something and do it, like, halfway. I mean, you, your first race as a, tri your first triathlon was an Ironman? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. most people would, you know, start at a sprint or, you know, an Olympic <laughs> distance. Um, what about you do you think um, makes it so that you want to jump into something so wholeheartedly and do it, you know, in a difficult race, an, an Ironman distance? I think a lot of it for me is, firstly, I'm not fast. So when you look at sprints, Olympic distances, um, the shorter one. 5Ks, 10Ks, you need speed in your legs. Anytime I try to do any kind of speed work, um, I would just get injured. So it was a little bit, I was going to be lost when I do those kind of things. Um, but I, I definitely have the mental toughness to stick out a hundred mile or stick out an Ironman to do the training. I'm happy to be out here eight, nine hours a day, yeah. you know, if that's what it's going to take. I'm more comfortable doing that because you I mean, at the start of the race, you see the youngsters, the sprinters, they will dash through and you think, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, I'm here right at the very back. But slowly, 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 you Pick start them picking them off. And, <laughs> you know, somebody, uh, one of my coaches that I've um, had in the past, um, has uh, Howard Nippert, who's quite well known in Cleveland, um, he said to me, yeah, they're strong, but you're tough. <laughs> and he was talking mentally. You know, I, I definitely have that mental capacity. And the other thing is, I only started at 45. I don't have time to, you know, like try try a little bit, little bit, little bit. I had to go big guns because who knows, you know, I'm, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe I, I can't do a 100 miler. So if I'm busy playing around with the 25s and the 50 miles. So that was kind of my attitude. Let's just go and do the whole thing. <laughs> Well, let's dig yeah. in a little even more so on that first Ironman. What was, you know, what was the experience like for you? Did, did you, you finished it, I assume, because you never yeah. drop out of anything. You finished it, and, and so how fulfilling was it for you? Uh, what was the overall the experience like, Jess? Sure. Ironman is just, um, I haven't done one in America. I've only done a half here. So I've only done European Ironman. Um, and it was in the old days where it was... Um, owned by an American company so okay. this was so much hype around an Ironman you know you go when you sign up it's you go to the Ironman village um, and it's like there's a restaurant in the village and there's place for the kids and it's so exciting and you're so nervous because you, I had never put my body through 15 16 hours I think in Europe they give you an hour extra okay. to finish an Ironman I think, is it 14 here? Yeah, well, uh, I know I from know. my experience, I've been in races where you have 17 hours 17, and okay. they, maybe you get 18 over in Europe. Maybe. I, I, I think it's an hour longer. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so. But you, you didn't even think you're no. going to be pushing up against <laughs> the, 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 you know, the but end you, of that, did you? But you, or you did don't you know? know. You, you don't know. know. You have no idea. Okay. You know, gotcha. and I can remember I had M and, um, M and M playing in my ears. I had, you know, it was very serious. I had my iPod and... No one spoke to anybody on the bus on the way out to the village on the start of like the day. Like you're getting sentenced to death. <laughs> yeah, um, because you've got this horrible swim, you know, to do initially. Uh, and I, you, you do the swim in the lake, so I knew I could do the distance, but not in a washing machine, you yeah, know, with, with all these up. other swimmers. And <laughs> you have that fear of somebody kicking you and I wear contact lenses. So that, oh, if my goggles go, I can't see. So I had stashes of contact lenses in every drop bag everywhere in case I'd lost them. But um, so you're on this bus going out. Nobody talks to anybody. You've got your Iron Man um, music, you know, your motivational music going in your ears, and everyone's drinking their um, carbo drink because it was in the days of like you've got a carbo load. 
<laughs> so we all drinking our high five at that stage on the bus um, and you get off and you know it's all very serious and pumping the tires and again no one's talking and the queues for the toilets are so long oh, and yeah. do you swim in a swimsuit do you swim in a wetsuit that's the other big thing because you don't know until the day when they measure the, the water temperature and you're kind of praying for the wetsuit swim because it makes your swim so much easier yeah but um so you have all this like fear and nervousness going through you um and then slowly you finish the swim and you come out and you're in transition and then you go out on the bike and i remember i was like um one of the last to come in on the bike and so the the bike transition area was almost like empty already by the time i got in there and then you start going off on the run um and then it's again it's just that going 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 i never ever thought you know i'm gonna give up i'm gonna finish and you saw people sitting sleeping on the side you know they were like absolutely exhausted and the sun starts going down and you're coming in and you you finish and you cross that line and they say Desiree Kawi you are an Iron Man and it's like I've made it <laughs> it's the most um it's like being knighted by the Queen I think you wow, know cool. it's I mean listen it's a trade right it's a trademark but you feel like you've achieved something that nobody else in the world has ever done before like you are the only person at that minute in time that means anything sure. it's just it's it's all your blood sweat and tears that has gone into the training right. that has suddenly culminated into this moment in your life so it, it's like uh, it's such a high it really is a high um I, and just Luckily enough for me, I was so emotional I couldn't breathe at the end of this whole thing. You're I was like hyperventilating. <laughs> I was, I was actually my larynx went into spasm. So anytime oh anyone, I, it was terrible. And I just knew it had happened to me before. I just knew if I sat in a quiet place, I'd be fine. So um, Glenn hauled me off to the medics tent to just try and find somewhere quiet so that I could sort of um, get myself together. And when I walked in, then they said what's wrong and I said oh no you know like, I'm trying to explain I can't breathe and I just want to sit on the stretcher and they put me on the stretcher and then I started cramping and they oh, said oh okay and they put an IV drip in and they gave me my drip and so everything got replaced within half an hour yeah. all the electrolytes I'd lost for the day and everything so the next day I was up ready to party and all my other counterparts were like, dying. dying and they're looking at me and saying what's wrong with you how did you manage to recover so quickly because I didn't tell them I'd had the drip <laughs> <laughs> but so it worked for you it worked so well wow so, so what, what do you think you learned about yourself that first time you did in Ironman because we're going to discuss a little bit more some of the tougher things beyond that that you have done but what you what, initially what did you learn about yourself that day that first Ironman yes I think for me, um, the big thing that I learned was that I could actually do it. That I, if I put my mind to something, I could do it. There's a, there were a lot of people. But wasn't there a part of you that thought you were tough enough to do it in the first place, you or you wouldn't know. have tried? You don't know, John. Okay. You really don't know. Um, you, you know, I think through all, all of life, you, you get challenges, right? That mm -hmm. you, you take on yourself. And remember, this is something that you take on. It's not pushed onto you. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you force yeah, no into doing. No one held doing. a gun to, yeah, and no, said, do this or it, your family dies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you pay big money to do Ironman. It's really expensive. And you, you think, of, this was my first one, so I didn't even own a bicycle. And it's the bicycle and it's the wetsuit and, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing. It's quite an expense. So um, you really just don't know whether you're going to, if you're going to do it or not. 
But I think the big thing with that was that, as I said, I learned that I could finish it, that it wasn't just for elite people. Another thing is that um, there was a place for um, 45 or however well old I was at the time. Sure. You know, that it was something that anybody could really do as long as you were prepared to put the work in. Right. And I actually learned that I, I sounds narcissistic, but I actually enjoyed that I enjoyed the struggle and the pain and the achievement afterwards. Of, so you happily walked into the pain cave, did you not, I young did. lady? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that is, it's a weird place to be. I We've know. been there. And it's so hard to explain that to somebody. I mean, Glenn, my husband, is completely the opposite. You know, if he's out here and he's having a bad day, he's going home. You know, whereas I kind of, <laughs> can I just vomit and I'll, you know, I'll be back at him. Just give me two minutes. <laughs> whereas he's, no, I'm going home now. I mean, he got to Mohican five miles from the finish and he quit because he was vomiting. Okay, he looked terrible and he was, sure. you know, rolling on the ground and stuff. But if it was me, I would have said, just give me two minutes <laughs> and make sure that I finished. But, you know, that's the difference. Whereas, um, you kind of think, well, if you haven't vomited, you haven't really worked hard enough. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's just a different mindset, I think. It you know? really is. So how did you transition then from the point where you're doing some, you know, Ironman distance races to you hear about this sport called ultra running, trail running, and these 100-mile races? How did that, you know, t walk us across the bridge from one to the other? Uh, when you are in Europe, you hear so much about... Western States, Leadville, you know, yeah. these hundred milers. Um, Death Valley is obviously really well known. And I, I'm talking a couple of years ago, sort of 12 years ago, you know, ultra running wasn't that wasn't big, big mm -hmm. then at all. So it was like, um, well, once you've done Ironman, where do you go to next? You know, what's the next big challenge that maybe somebody isn't doing? Not a lot of people are doing. Um, and I was, we were moving to the States. So the hundred miler kind of, flashed up in my head, you know, I started reading more about it, reading more books, um, I came across here and I'd already signed up to do an, another Ironman from here, um, which I went and did, but while I was training for that, I started meeting other people, Tanya Caddy was my um, lifeguard, and as you know, in Cleveland, she's the big She's a very big ultra endurance lady. athlete, well known, yeah, and, and well known in respected. the industry, has won quite a few races and stuff, so at the, I think there were only maybe a handful of ladies at that stage that were even doing ultra marathons, and she was one of them. And you interviewed um, uh, Godale, Mr. Oh, Godale? Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Godale. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Mark and Tanya were a kind of. Yeah, Mark. Mark is very accomplished runner. Exactly. Um, and Tanya was my lifeguard in my swimming for the Ironman training. She was hoping to transition over to do um, the hundreds, and I was, I mean, to do Ironman, and I was transitioning over to do the hundreds. So you're so going to teach her your sport, she's going to teach you hers. <laughs> we used to swap stories, and she said, what do you do for this? And I used to ask her, and what do you do about blisters, and all that kind of thing. And then, um, so that sparked the interest a lot more, and then I met Joe Jerzyk, who was the, running, the RD then for um, Burning River Burning. 100 started running with him and then he introduced me to some more people and then I just was hooked and I signed up and and that was it so really when I went to do my second Ironman I knew what my next challenge was going to be and that was going to be a hundred miles was going to be the Burning River 100 miler how did you Cleveland. get your brain in the right proper mindset to even think about attempting a hundred and then take us through the day as best you can uh the kind of the you know 
the experience here, what it was like for you? Well, this, I mean, again, I went to Brian, and who was my Iron, uh, Ironman coach, and said, well, what do you think about me doing 100? And he said, yeah, of course you can. Um, so he, he devised my program again and got me running, and it wasn't about running. It was just about being on your feet, you know, for me uh, to get the first finish, to see if I could actually do this 100 on my legs. So he had me doing lots of different things for the day, just, you know, keep active. I did lots and lots of different gym classes, at, um, you know, to see could I actually stay on my feet. But I'm, I'm a nurse, so I'm used to 12-hour shifts. So I wasn't really worried about that. Okay. Um, but it was, you know, how do you stay awake for 24 hours or yeah. 30 hours? And You get 30 hours to do it, 30 hours to run 100 miles. So how, how do you keep awake for all that time and keep moving and yeah. be coherent? And and again, it's the, the fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. Or the challenge of the unknown, not really Or the, the excitement, fear. yeah, yeah. And the excitement and um, it, it's talking to different people again, learning new things about blister control, about nutrition, about clothing, bug control. You know, it's a whole different, different thing to worrying about bicycle punctures and um, chains falling off and yeah. you know if the big thing for me was that if I fell I just fell off my feet I didn't fall off a, a moving bicycle yeah there was very little chance of getting knocked over I mean my biggest fear was always snakes and still oh. is when I'm going into any of these things so Brian set up my program he got me um, staying up for many hours you know on my feet we started running walking joined different groups um, I've joined a group here called Outrun, which is based here yes. in, in this in side North of town, in Northeast Um And again, it was a small group because Burning River was still fairly new then as well. So um, we weren't the pilgrims like Mark and Tanya, but we certainly yeah. we were certainly one of the first couple to you know mm. to actually attempt Burning River. So when you went out on the day, there weren't a lot of runners out there either, you know, um, which was this great. This was 2010. Or uh, I think 2010 or 11. Okay. I think it was 2010 because I think I did Ironman France 2009 and then 2010 I did the Burning River. Okay. Yeah. And I've always only done one or two big challenges every year, you know, just to try and stay healthy as well, not go overboard. Um, and I, the race itself, um, you know, it's very exciting. You start at five in the morning. Um, it's in the dark, you've got headlamps on, you've got these drop bags filled with absolutely everything. And I had crew, but um, you know, you kind of overpack, overprepare. I can remember going, um, just th talking about that, I went to a training run once um, and I arrived, it was Bill's Badass 50K, okay. yeah, which Bill's you know badass. as well. Yes. And um, I arrived and I had this bag, this big bag of stuff. And it was stuff, it was, different clothing, different shoes, hats, whatever was in yep. there. Um, and Roy Hager, another name and ultra yep. running here, looked at me and said, it's only a 50K. You know, why do you need such a big bag? And I like looked at him and I was like, I can How remember. How were you to know? <laughs> I was out to know, but I can remember blushing and thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> and I went back to my car and I picked out stuff. But so when you go to a hundred, it's a hundred miles. You don't know what you're going to need. So every drop bag had like, um, you know, socks and glide and food and stuff that I didn't even touch. You yeah. know, I didn't need it all because I said it was, I had crew as well, so it was complete overkill. Oh, yeah. But you never know, if you don't have it, you're going to need it, right? So um, I started off with all the stuff that I never touched. 
um, running along and I felt really good and I can remember for me the highlight of my day was the piano stairs okay. those what's it 52 steps or something yeah. yep. coming in and um, so coming up those and finishing them and there was a warden and I said to him was that the piano stairs and he said yes because I was dreading them it's, for me that was the swim of this whole thing yeah. you know, was the piano stairs and when he said yeah and I said I've done it I've done it and it was only 50 miles but by then I already <laughs> I knew I was going to finish Burning River um, so it was just you're just on a high the whole day you're that first one as well you know you go through the pain and you know it's coming um, and it's almost you're happy when it does because you think okay it's it's been it's gone now you know it's I've dealt with it I'm, it's not going to happen again which is wishful thinking but <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you I met um some really lovely people that that day because by the end of it you kind of walk so yeah. you get to you can't run the whole you way can't per run se the whole way, no, no. no unless you are one of the top few yeah, the, the, Jim Wamsley's is yeah. crazy. I know. Yeah. I know. And I mean, I'm halfway and people are already finished in bed showering, you know, and I'm still out there. But but I'm having my own little journey there. So I met some really lovely people and I can, I still remember um, Jack Corey is also well known here. Yeah. Dr. He, yeah. He was walking with me and he said, um, he said to me, ma'am, do you mind if I start running now? <laughs> and I thought, my gosh, she's so polite and mile 90. <laughs> Please run, you know, don't worry oh, about delightful me. Delightful of a guy. <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> and a lot of women sort of say, oh, I don't want to be called ma'am. And I just thought, oh, how lovely. <laughs> Tea and crumpets too. <laughs> uh, so so you, you got through that. Um, give me the, 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 the sense of elation or accomplishment that you got from that versus doing an Ironman, which is almost half of the amount of time spent mm. in a grueling endurance event yeah the thing Iron Man it's like I don't know I, I still say that for me was one of the best days you know along with being married having your kids Iron Man was up there because it's the hype I think you don't have that in ultra running it's a very quiet event um, you know you come across the finish line and it's um, Joe was there obviously he knew my name and he was so and he'd run with me he'd helped you know help me train and stuff so he was really invested was, in my invest, run yeah he, he was happy you finished. yeah um so there was that you know when I crossed the line big hug and you get your medal and all your buckle as such um and it's more of a sense of the self-achievement it's not a there's no big da -da 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 -da, you yeah. know you've done 100 miles like you like you get at Ironman so it's a completely different experience and all you want to do is get off your feet i think you know when you finish your first hundred my feet were a mess i had so many blisters um did you, you sit much at any of the aid stations no or, or you just kept moving uh -uh, that's something that triathlon always taught me that i man taught me it's in and out so yeah, get you in, know get out. think what you need before you get to the aid station so once you're there you just say i need this 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 and get out yeah. um i'm always amazed at the people that are able to sleep pull up a folding chair I know. sit down crazy <laughs> yeah. i mean that beware of the chair yeah that's right. very real in my life because i there's been one race um vermont no uh, wasatch that i did wasatch 100 um the last big aid station before i think there's a marathon um after that aid station to the finish that's so okay. 26 miles um it's a lovely aid station it's in a ski shed you, I arrived there. Um, it was nighttime. 
it was cold. We walked into the aid station. It's lovely and warm. There's hot food. You want to stay um, there. You stay there. <laughs> your body warms up. You brush your teeth um, because it was run by a dentist at that stage. So he handed everybody <laughs> toothbrushes and toothpaste so you were able to brush your teeth and stuff. Um, and I was about um, three or four hours ahead of cutoffs when okay. I left. I walked out of that aid station with my pacemaker, Mel, who's also very well known here, to Winger, and um, I suddenly couldn't breathe. I went into spasm, and I thought at that stage that it was um, well, People should altitude. know you're up in a, yeah, how high, how high up were you guys? I think it was 9,000 9, feet or something, okay. Wasatch. People have to understand, that's almost it's two high. miles high. And that's what I thought, you know, that, okay, I'm now having a problem at altitude. Um, I've subsequently found out it wasn't. It was some kind of um, asthma induced from the okay. cold air and the dust, but I didn't know that. I thought it was the altitude. And so that's how I finished those next 26 miles was, you know, I really couldn't breathe. I was um, really struggling. And because of the difficulty due to the altitude, you had, what, 36 hours to do this or 30, 34? I think 36. Okay. I don't quite remember. I mean, it, that's um, a very difficult 100. Yeah. Very difficult. But as I said, I, I left that aid station with three or four hours ahead of cutoffs, and I finished with 15 minutes to spare. So as I said, I always look at these people that are sleeping at aid stations and think, you don't know, you just don't know what's around the corner. You know, you have to be really sure of yourself to be able to take that time Yeah, you gotta to like sleep. bank that time, because yeah. you know it might get gobbled up real quickly. And even if you do have it banked, it might, you know, we um, we nearly got lost as well, and luckily somebody saw us going off in the wrong direction and hauled us back. Um, so if we had gone off any further, those 15 minutes would also have been, you know, we, we would have arrived too late. Well, you so brought we just up, you, made it. You brought up Wasatch, and, and I was going to kind of go in that direction. The cool thing about you, Des, is that you always like new adventures, different ones. Why do you do that? I mean, uh, why wouldn't you want to like run Burning River again or Wasatch again or do the same triathlon again? What, 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 what is it just to discover new stuff, new experiences, you know, uh, challenges? I think it's a lot of that. Um, you know, people people say that to do an ultra marathon or anything of this distance, you need to be a little bit of an addict. Um, so maybe I'm always looking for the next high. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But Guilty as charged. Yeah. And the other <laughs> thing is, um, you know, I started very late in life. I, I just think there's so much out there still to do and to see why do something again. You know, been there, done that. I mean, even the ones that I don't finish and Eastern States, for example, um, I DNF there. Okay. Um, well, I didn't. I was pulled. Um, I have no desire to go back. Okay. You know, that one, that one won. So what? Yeah. You know, there's so many others to see, so many more to see, and the world is huge. It you know? sure is. And there's just, I mean, who had heard of 200 milers? Now that's the next challenge, you know, for people to go They're and They're actually, do. as we're recording this, doing one of them, uh, is it Moab? I'm not sure which one, but there's one going on right now. Oh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Bigfoot 200 yeah. miler going on right now Today. as we speak. So, I mean. Those if, crazy people. Those does. crazy people. <laughs> But I mean, that would be me if I was younger. You know, I'd be, yeah. I'd definitely be looking at doing a 200. Now. Well, you do stage races too. Please tell yeah. uh, some of our, our listeners that aren't aware what, what would a stage race be? And then you've done Iceland. You're about to go to Spain and do one there. Uh, the concept of stage races and and what's that experience like? So stage racing um, is basically they take 250 k's is usually the shortest. 
they can go longer i think i'm doing one in february that's just over 300 kilometers 306 kilometers um, and then they divide them up into either six or seven days the usual format and but what they do is they'll give you um usually it's an ultra every day and then um you'll have a very long run on day five that takes you into day six so they give you two days to do the long section depending on how fast you run you will then have a whole day off you know where everybody just relaxes and recovers and then the last day is usually a, a 12 kilometer or, okay. or half marathon or something just to take you into the finish but the whole thing about a stage race as well is that you stay in tents um, there's eight people you usually don't know anybody else there's no shower facilities you have to carry everything except your tent so how heavy is the you. pack typically um it varies from i've known i think the lightest i've ever known anyone to have is nine kilometers um nine kilograms okay and then the heaviest i've known people to have is about 21 30 kilograms and i mean those are massive those backpacks i don't know how those people cope um kilograms two and a half pounds 2.2 pounds i believe right yeah mm. i think so okay so do the They're heavy. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I usually end up with about um, a 9 or 11, 11 kilogram, which is um, sometimes I think it's been a little bit heavier, depending on, you know, how much, uh, the, the whether it's warm or cold. But it's still, it's a, it's a lot to um, carry on your back, uh, you know, when you're out there running and stuff. And by the end of the day, your shoulders are so sore. But... I don't know it's it's a different challenge and, and the reason why I got into that again was um, by Pam Rickard who you yep. interviewed she asked me to join a relay team to go to Iceland and I thought oh well that sounds like something new and exciting I hadn't signed up for a hundred miler that year um, and I was I think you know you do one you do two it gets a little bit boring although the courses are hard but it's like okay what can I do next yeah so it seemed like the perfect jump to step across into stage racing and again it was for a good cause so i usually try and do something for charity in in these things um in my events and even that that came about because i just there were so many people who sit on the couch and you know would say to you yeah take my money take my money what are you doing what are you doing and i think it made them feel better so that's how i got into the whole charity thing as well it's kind of cool that you do that because you're always thinking about you know it, it, it people could interpret it as, as such a self-obsessed maybe type of a, um, a venture you know to do a race such as this but you always have that in mind which is very cool it's it's a difficult you know it's a process of training for yourself to go out and race you have other people that might be in your crew you know that would help you get to the finish line if you will and the fact that you do it for charity, that's that's a neat little twist. I wish there were like more people thought yeah. along that way. I think the, the hard part is often the, the raising the funds. It's harder than that because when you're running, you, it's, you're just reliant on yourself. You don't have to worry about anybody else showing up or the raising the funds is the hardest because you, you're often asking the same people again and again, you know, for to, to support whatever cause you're running for. And that's hard. It's not easy. Um, I've always try to do events um, where people donate money and then that money then goes to whatever profit is made will then go towards the charity so we've had some really cool things like um, we've had Tim Keys who's uh, came and did a lecture once on running injuries and things so you know just giving back to the group that I'm trying to mm -hmm. take money from as well um, so that I've been, I enjoy it 
as I said, I don't work, so I do have the time and I enjoy the kind of challenge mm -hmm. of, of the fundraising as well. What do you get um, out of the training? What, what, uh, and I know you have a coach, and a coach kind of uh, gives you a little bit of a map to follow, per se, but what are some of the challenges of the training to get ready for a stage race or get ready for a 100-miler or you know some of the real long endurance events? For me, it's, it gives me a lot of time. My kids have left home. My, Glenn travels a lot. So often I could be at home in bed, and if it wasn't for Miss Margaret here, my dog, <laughs> if I didn't get out of bed that day, who would know? Who would know? Nobody, really, because I don't have to, you know, I don't have to be at a particular place at a particular time. So they might think, oh, I haven't seen Desert Yoga for a while, but it wouldn't be, let's phone her and find out if she's okay. So for me, um, what do I get out of it? It's it's showing up, I guess. Um, I need to get out of bed because I need to train because I've got a, a race coming up. Um, so it's that sense of fulfillment, maybe a sense of purpose for the day, um, and then it's a sense of achievement as well. So it's a constant challenge in achieving. And I know some people don't like to live like that. They you know, would rather just have a nice, peaceful, sedentary life and they think I'm crazy. But I've always been pushed by challenges, you know, trying to do better. Yeah. I'm always listening to podcasts. I try and learn all the time, keep the brain active. Um, you know, try and find out what's new in medicine, what's new in the running world, what's, um, it's, I, it's just me, I, I enjoy new things. And that's probably why I don't do the same race over and over again as well. Yeah. Um, you know, try and mix your life up. Why not? Why, There's so much out there to go and grab and enjoy and experience. Why keep doing the same thing over and over again? And you yeah. find different ways to train. You find, obviously, a different venue to race at. Uh, but I think the cool thread about you, Des, is, you know, a lot of people get caught up in what someone else did or how I can, can I beat that woman or can I beat that man? You're all about getting the best experience for yourself and pushing yourself and to make it a good experience. And to be successful, you want to be successful. Can you break it down that way or no? No, I agree. With, I agree. I think, um, it's, look, I'm sure it must be wonderful. I've, I've won a few age group things in mm -hmm. my life um, and it is lovely to stand on the stage and get that little gift, um, that <laughs> presentation. But that's not, I don't go out there thinking I'm going to run today to win this because I never, ever, never expect that to happen. I'm just, I'm just not that, I'm not that talented, you know. I don't do it because it comes easy. I do it because I really enjoy it and I love being out here and I love, it's like, it's like somebody saying, well, you can't do it. You're not built to do that. You, know, you look at you, you don't even look like a runner and then saying, well, look what I just did. Yeah. You know, so it's that constant um, self-gratification, maybe self-patting on the back. I don't know. <laughs> uh -huh. Or dealing with uh, knowing that, you, uh, how do I say this, uh, knowing that you can attack a race that extracts so much from you literally from your your body from your soul and you don't mind visiting the pain cave you know that it's part of the process and you can come out the other end that's an accomplishment yeah as you said do we do it because we like going into that pain cave I, i'm kind <laughs> of saying that yes i i mean maybe that's just me um i mean I, we don't run from that. We don't. I mean, we don't say, no. "Oh my God, the pain's coming on. I'm stopping right now." We continue to yeah. race as I, best we can. 
and you finish all your races for the most part. Yeah, I think it's you have to have a certain kind of mindset to do it, and it's that is who I am. I think it's part of my makeup. Yeah. I am. Um, even when I did nursing, I didn't ever go into the the wards and you know just do general day to day. I was the intensive care nurse. I was the emergency person who did the casabacks and did the helicopters and oh, you wow. know was always up in the forefront. Um, I don't do very well with mundane day-to-day -day chores. It's just you're I, on the edge of the uh, trail. It's you just know, what with it, the drop off on the other side. Yeah, that's I like to get in, get things done, and get out and move on to the next thing. Um, so I guess it was a natural progression when work wasn't there. Where am I going to get the same kind of excitement and um, challenges that I can fulfill and do and um, not hang around. I don't do it to hang around to get the pat on the back afterwards. The, I pat myself on the back yeah. for pushing my body. I, you know, when I'm out here sometimes and I'm in pain yeah. and it's sore and I really don't feel like running and you know, not every day goes well. I think maybe eight days out of ten are terrible. <laughs> Two days are good. <laughs> but, and I just, but I sit here and I think, where are all those people that are sitting on the couch and have no idea? what they could achieve yeah. but they just if they just took five steps maybe they would fly they would they would you know like just look at me and go pa and race past me but they have no idea because they've just never tried yeah you know i here i am in such pain and i'm like at this particular stage hating it and wish i was at home you know sitting on the couch and stuff and those people are there with all that talent and they have no clue i mean yeah. don't you want to when you die get to the end and say I, I I took what I had and I did a good job you know that's I think that's my that's all I want is when I die to say I had a good life and I I used my talents and I did it did it to the best of my ability I'd hate God to turn around and say look what I had in mind for you and you, you know you sat there sort of eating ice cream all that so, yeah exactly <laughs> um you know, or to know that you could have been this and instead you were that because just because you were too scared to try. I don't know. I, you know, I've always said to the kids as well, as well, go do things, you know, be naughty. But if you get caught, be honest, but go try, you know, don't be scared to try because of fear of being caught out or fear of failure. Or, but as I said, if you do get caught, own up. Yeah, you know, occasionally you do not succeed. And no. that's, that's kind of the beauty of uh, the sport of ultra running or doing uh, Ironman tries and and what have you. Let's wrap this up with your thoughts on your le your next adventure. You we touched on it briefly a, a short while ago. This trip to Spain and it's a stage race and and it but it's a historical stage race in the sense that it you know goes back so many years to what happened there in those days. Yeah, it is. It's a historical in that it's the um, part of the course that the Spanish conquistadors mm -hmm. <laughs> took. Um, and it's also a religious pilgrimage for a lot of Catholic people. So um, there's a lot of history of where I'm going. Um, I'm just now, as I'm starting to go into taper and to get motivated, I'm starting to read books on the area. So when I go, I'll know a little bit about it. I mean, um, sorry, I'm deviating for one quick thing. I did a race in um, Ecuador where we went across the Inca trails 
and it's amazing actually when you when you put your foot down and you think oh the Incas were here who, you know who was on this ground thousands thousands of years. of years ago and here I am and I have the privilege of being here in this beautiful country and um, you know walking the same steps that maybe some famous person did and you know some explorer yeah. or, and how easy it is for me in my lush running shoes and they maybe barefoot or something so it's the same thing in Spain now it's going to be um, it's a little bit luxurious. I don't have to carry everything, and there are showers every night. So <laughs> I'm getting a little bit wiser in my old age. You're so pampered, Dennis. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but it's going to be, you know, it's nice. I'm going with friends, and it's a small race, but we're not going to race. We're just going to actually take in the history, take in the beauty of Spain, um, enjoy some Spanish paella, some beer at night, maybe even. You know, who knows? Right. <laughs> so, really luxurious. So. They're not all hard. Not all hard. I don't always just do the hard stuff. And then but I'm very excited because my next race is in New Zealand. Oh cool. after that. So when is that? Is, this is in February. Um, and it's called um, Alps to Ocean. So it's from the top of the Cook uh, Cook Mountains to the ocean. And that's three hundred and six kilometers. And again I'm going pampered, I'm not carrying everything. <laughs> but it, I think that's probably gonna be my retirement race. So Des, there's a book somewhere in here. You got, you got, you got to start putting this down on paper, or start, uh, you know, having a blog or something. I think people would want to see this, see you uh, write about this. You stuff. know, you know, the weird thing, John, is what I do, and you know, because you speak to some really great people. That what I do is nothing. It's like, it's a drop in the ocean compared to people like what Ray Zahab's doing and um, Charlie Engel, those kind of guys. Yeah. You know, those explorers that are out there. I'm just, I've just got my foot in the ocean, you know, my little toe <laughs> compared to what these guys do. So I wish I was like younger and had a lot more time because there just is a lot more to experience. Well, uh, you do have a lot more time. Um, and I guess time is relative too. you know, so many yeah. people look at, you know, some, some person could be in their mid twenties and think they've got so many years for, for their life to unfold. And they don't take advantage of it, and yet someone could be in their 50s and they're just grabbing life mm. by the horns and just loving every minute of it. Yeah. And, and you're one of those people. That's that's the way I look at you. You you have challenges that you want to see what life's about. You want to see the world, and uh, you're not sitting at home on that couch. I think that's you know I think more people should take your example versus just carping about what life should be. Go out and experience it. So kudos to you on that. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, life will give you a lot, but it's what you take, you know, and, and what you do with it. I mean, a lot. when we left South Africa and moved to England, we left um, grandparents, we left um, a life that we'd started and built up and um, very comfortable life, put it that way. And we moved to England where suddenly there was no support systems, yep. you know, but as you said, uh, you, you grab it and you do what you can and you make the most of it. Um, there's no point in just saying, oh, well, now what? You know, I've lost this, I've lost that, what I do. There's no no point in carrying on or whatever. There's so much excitement out there and so much that you can do. Um, there's so much to experience. Grab it, I'd say, if you can. Thanks very much to Des for the great conversation. We were just sitting at a picnic table at North Chagrin Reservation, shooting the breeze and talking about her ultra marathoning, her stage races, and how she got into the whole crazy mess to begin with. 
kind of kindred spirits in that regard. I've had the opportunity to compete in multiple Ironmans and also have competed at the 100-mile level as well. But she takes it another step forward with all of those stage races that she does, checking out different challenges at very difficult spots all around the globe, heading to Spain, as she mentioned in our interview, and then going to New Zealand. And I'm sure that's just only a couple of spots. There's many more to come down the road. So thanks very much to Des for the chat. And if you enjoyed it, kindly send it along to some of your friends, share it on social media, and of course, please subscribe and give us a nice rating. I certainly would appreciate that. And until we check in with you next time, this is John Tellich, and this has been another edition of Tellich Talks.